Um, one of the things you need to know about the Bible that you read, and I hope, I'll make an assumption that you are reading your Bible. I hope that you are. I hope that you're reading your Bible consistently. And one of the things we sometimes think when we're reading the Bible is that these are like fictional characters who had no real life or no real existence. They just seem so far removed from us. It's like, did they really exist? And they really did exist. And they lived in a real world with real families and real problems and real experiences in life. And I want to point out to you uh, a passage actually in Galatians. Uh, Galatians is a letter, an epistle that Paul wrote to a group of believers living in a place called Galatia. That's where it gets its name, which is uh, now modern-day Turkey. And so he writes about an experience to some Christ followers there. Uh, and he writes along a subject. He uses imagery and a story, sort of an analogy that he knew would make perfect sense to them in their own culture and environment. So a lot I could say about that, but I want to dive right into this. So look at two verses. This is verses 7 and 8 uh, with me in Galatians 5. You were running a good race. That's what Paul's talking. He's using that analogy of races and, and uh, running. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? What happened? You were running a good race. You were moving in the right direction. Then he adds, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Look at this next part. Look at the next part. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So uh, let's talk about this for just uh, a little bit uh, this morning. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter, and again, he's using the analogy of running or a race and I want us to talk about that today, talk about it in the way that Paul intended for it to be talked about, because what he's talking about, writing about here is so crucial to the spiritual life that each of us here are engaged in. And we're going to do so by using these two verses. Now, we're going to come back in just a few moments to that Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, uh, we'll come back to that. But before we get to that point, I want to just talk about sort of the race that you and I are engaged in. And if you are already a follower of Jesus, you know that when you receive Christ as the Savior and the leader of your life, you began a, a new life, a, a new walk, a new race, a new run. And uh, most everyone that I know, uh, when they give their life over to Jesus Christ, most everybody starts out right. They start out running a good race. Out of the blocks, their life is surrendered to Christ. They start out running a good race. There's a spirit of gratitude that invades a person's life. When a person says, you know what? I was in darkness, but now I'm in light. I, I was not a Christian, but now I've become a Christian. Uh, my eternal destiny with God in heaven was not in place, and now it is. Now, we know that for all of us, the Christian life is always seemingly in a maturing process uh, and that we're always going to be works in progress. But uh, we're assured and, and we're grateful for it. We're assured that our sins are forgiven. There's no better feeling in all the world than knowing that our sins are forgiven. And you start out well. I start out well. Hey, we're thankful for God's grace. We're thankful for God's mercy. We're just so thankful we have such gratitude because our sins have been forgiven. We're blessed enough to be able to get a fresh start in life. We know without a shadow of a doubt that one day when we die or when Jesus comes back, if that happens first, that we will live in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity. 
we got a text last night, a family text from, uh, from Nicole, our daughter-in-law, and she's got these three, like, really, really, really special kids. And uh, Kenley states, uh, Lantry's four, Brody just turned two. Well, uh, well, Lantry's about to turn four next, next month. And here was, uh, Nicole was telling us the nature of the conversation that her and Landry had last night. Again, keep in mind, she's almost four, but it, it's cute, but it's, it's more than cute. It was profound to me in this respect. And in their conversation that they were having, this is what Landry asked her mom. She's like, mom, tell me everybody that I know that you know that's going to be in heaven. And she would, she had mentioned a name. Are they going to be in heaven, mommy? And and Nicole would respond, mommy, and then she would think of somebody else. She wanted to know, three years old, almost four, um, you know, were the people that she knew going to be in heaven one day? So it's cute and makes you smile, but I'm like, wow, that just hit me at a deeper level than that. Here she is, and she's already thinking about that. Could I just mention something to you? Because I don't know where all of you are at spiritually. There may be many of you that are seated in this theater right now that there's a family member that wonders that about you. A child that wonders that about you. A mom or dad that wonders about that concerning you. A spouse that is wondering, are you in right relationship with God? If you were to die today, are you 100% certain that you would go to heaven? I mean, that's something. And you're like, hey, you just got into this talk. Man, it's pretty heavy on the front end. But you know what? I've just got to ask you that question. That is the most important question you could ever be asked in your entire life. Are you 100% certain if you were to die today that you would spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? If you say, I'm not sure, maybe you'd just be so plainly spoken as to say, no, not, not today. Then at the end of the service, and I'm sort of giving away the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ as the Savior and the leader of your life, to experience God's grace, to experience his forgiveness, to experience his wonder, to be grateful for that. And when that happens to you, as it has for many of us, we start out on this race and we're running a good race. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there. You didn't really know how to pray. I was, I'm thinking back this week while I was, uh, you know, working on this talk. Um, when I started out as a Christian, even though I'd grown up in church, apparently I didn't pay a lot of attention growing up in church. And, and I felt like I knew nothing. I didn't know how to pray, but there was something within me. And a lot of you can relate to this. You had this intense desire to talk to God. You couldn't really sort out the Bible. Um, you can sort out the Old Testament from the New Testament. Uh, you know, you looked in the Old Testament, and I can relate to this. I mean, I can remember when the pastor of my home church in Atlanta, Georgia, walked up to me, and, and he said to me, and I'm in my late teens, and uh, he, he says this, I would like for you to lead the Bible quiz team of our church. And I'm, I, I, I'm like, this is what I said. I said, Pastor, let me, let me pray about it. This is what I thought. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, a guy that knows so little about the Bible, you want me? You know, I'll be, I'll be working with kids that know more about the Bible than I do. And, and we, you know, we get started and we're reading through the Old Testament. We're like, okay, I've come to this book and is, is this the book of Job or is this the book of Job? You know, which is it? Um, where do I start? What do I read? Added to that, some of the stories that we read and they're difficult for us to even understand. 
I brought along just a, a, a few little remarks. These are actually written by children, and they've not been retouched or corrected at all. Let me just read to you what some of these kids say. And I said this at a much older level than probably kids were. I like what one kid says <clears throat> in describing the Bible, a portion of the Bible. This is what uh, this uh, little one said. The Egyptians, they're going to talk about the Egyptians, were all drowned in the desert. How many of you have ever felt like you've been drowned in dessert for? Yeah, I've, I have too. The Egyptians were all drowned in the dessert. Afterwards, Moses went up to Mount Sinai, not Sinai, Sinai, uh, to get the Ten Amendments. Here's another child. I like this one. The first commandment was when Eve told Adam to eat the apple. First commandment. I'm not even going to touch that one. No, I want that cake later, so I'm not even. All right, so here's another one. Moses died before he ever reached Canada. <laughs> here's another one. Joshua, you're going to love this one. Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jericho. <laughs> Solomon was one of David's sons. You're going to like this part. He had 300 wives. And 700 porcupines, <laughs> not concubines, porcupines. How about this one? The epistles were the wives of the apostles. <laughs> and one of my favorites, and last one, David was a Hebrew king, good, skilled at playing the lyre, L-I-A-R. I love this part. He fought with the Finkelsteins, a race of people who lived in biblical times. <laughs> so, and probably, you know, all of us can relate to that in a sense. We, we started the race well, but we didn't know how to pray, and we couldn't understand the Bible. In fact, when we read the Bible, there was so much of it that was nonsensical to us initially, and yet we felt compelled to read and to discern what God was saying to us in his word. We were fired up. We were red hot, fired up, running the race, and we started running the race well. Furthermore, because we were on the receiving end of such amazing grace and such unconditional love from God, we sensed the urgency to tell everybody that we knew about, about Jesus and how he had changed our lives. I want us to go back to this verse because it really ties into what we're talking about. It's still in Galatians. You saw it a moment ago, but I want us to go back to Galatians 5, uh, 25. Look at this. In fact, would you read it with me, everybody? Let's read this together. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. Um, those of you that are runners, and I don't run anymore since having some knee surgery, so I do a different kind of cardio three days a week, but I was a runner. I loved to run, look forward to running, run, run, run. I loved to run, and uh, I had this, when they first started coming out, and they're a lot more um, smaller now, uh, but I had, I don't know how long they had been out, but I had a GPS running watch, and I'm telling you, this thing was, this thing 
was huge. It was a good thing that I was lifting weights then too, because I needed to lift weights just to wear this watch. Well, it was like huge. And it was, you know, and it had everything on it. It had the time, you know, uh, the distance that you were running, the speed that, and it had all this information. You, you almost needed to have an IT degree just to understand how to read this running watch. But I loved it. And I used it every time that I ran. One of the things that I loved about this watch was it actually had like a trainer on it. It was like an icon of somebody that would be running long. It really did. You could look down and you'd program, program in your distance. And so I'd put that in, uh, how fast did I want to run? However miles I was running, I put that in and then it helped you to set a pace. It was great. It was phenomenal. It was huge. It was heavy, but it was phenomenal. But you would look at the pace and it would tell you throughout your run how you were doing. And if you were lagging behind, it would tell you. I mean, you could look down and say, you're not on pace. If I'm going to run this many miles in this amount of time, then I better pick it up. Now, one of the things I loved about the watch, a lot of different things, but one of the other things I loved about the watch is that it did not have, uh, it was not equipped with a sarcastic voice. Because I imagine times, especially when I was getting used to it, I'm so glad that the watch, I could look at it, but I'm so glad that it wouldn't speak to me. Like when I was falling behind, I'm so glad that I didn't hear a voice say from uh, my watch, speed up, you loser. You know, speed up. Hey, old man, why don't you throw down your cane and catch me? You know, uh, no sarcasm or, or this one. Go ahead. Run ahead of me because sometimes I do that. I'd be like, okay, and I'd get ahead of it. And it would tell you if you were running ahead of pace. And I'm so glad there wasn't a little voice saying, go ahead, run ahead of me. I'll pass you when your lungs explode. Just, uh, it, didn't, it had all kind of information, but it didn't have that. And I'm thankful it didn't. But it helped you to keep pace. How are you doing about keeping pace? Are you staying in step with him in this incredible race which you and I have entered? This race actually has its starting point at the cross where Jesus died in our place. And yet we know this, just as times I would, I would speed ahead when I was running with that watch on, there are times in our lives when we sometimes run, run ahead of God. You've done that, haven't you? I have many times. We run ahead of God because it seems too difficult for us to remain patient while we're waiting for God's plan to unfold in our lives. And we've all done that. Paul is saying still in the same letter, the same epistle to these believers living in Galatia, he's saying, hey, you were running a great race. We'll come to another portion of it later. Who cut in on you? What happened? What went wrong? But now in this verse that we just saw a moment ago, he's saying, hey, stay in step. You're running the race. All right, keep it up. But don't just pace it. Don't just run your race. Stay in step with the Spirit. Make sure that you're staying. The Spirit of God is moving, you're moving. Don't lag behind. Don't move ahead. Don't become impatient waiting for His plan to unfold in your life. Don't lag behind. And we often can lag behind because we get distracted in life. We start focusing on all kinds of things. We focus on position or, or, or power or money or, or pleasure. On other occasions, uh, rather than staying in step with the Holy Spirit and keeping a good pace, we take a different path altogether because sin is so captivating to us. You know what? Occasionally, I hear people say something like this. Occasionally, I, you know, well-meaning people, and, and, and I know maybe you've said it, maybe I've said it, but I hear people say from time to time, describe sin in such a way that there's no enticement to it. I've not found that to be true in my life. Now, there's a lot of sins that just has no appeal to me whatsoever. Like, I could, you know, all day put that in front of my face, all, nothing. But 
you know, there is an enticement about sin. Otherwise, if there were not, we would never be tempted or drawn to it. In fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews, it's not on the screen, but the writer of Hebrews says this, the good time that sin brings is only for a little while. Only for a little while. And sometimes we're running behind it. We're not keeping the pace. We're not running the race that we set out to run. I mean, we were fired up. We started a race. We were grateful. We were growing in God. We were reading the Bible. We were praying. We were sharing our faith. We were engaged in ministry. We were connected to a small group. We were giving. We were giving. We were running a good race. But there's times, and I've seen this happen again and again, in lives of well-meaning believers where they start getting distracted. And sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it becomes so enticing and so captivating. And yet what the writer of Hebrews is saying is exactly true. The good time that sin brings, it's only there for a little while. And therein lies the dilemma. In the beginning, think about this, friend. And some of you, you may be, you may be contemplating caving to some form of temptation in your life. And I just want to strongly, strongly encourage you not to do it. It seems like it may be fun and the right thing right now. But, but the writer of Hebrews is so right. It's only going to last a little while. In the beginning, it's extraordinarily difficult to see the pain and the perplexities and the problem that sin will eventually bring. I want you to look on the screen and discover what one writer has said and sort of transitions us toward our next point. Christianity is a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, speaking, personal God. Why then do so many Christians live inconsistent, powerless lives? Authentic Christianity begins with a spiritual authenticity, a vital daily relationship with Jesus Christ. I like this next part. Genuine spirituality starts a person on the road to a whole lifestyle of authenticity. And that's why we're talking about running the race. So most everybody, I mean, think about your own life. Think about your own life. You start running the race well. We start running the race well. But then there's a second thing that Paul points out in this letter. He says, in essence, then something or someone usually tries to cut in on our progress. Now, we saw this earlier, this verse earlier, but I want us to go back to it for just a moment. Guys, if you'll put it back up, you were running a good race. Maybe that is descriptive of you. You started out, everything I described earlier, you started out running a good race. And then Paul says this. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to Christ followers. He says, who cut in on you? What went wrong? What happened? Who cut on you? What got in your way? What distracted you? What, what kept you uh, held captive? Uh, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? You were headed in the right direction. Now, keeping in mind here that the Apostle Paul is intentionally using the imagery of a race. He clearly understood that soon as he went into this description that these Galatian Christians would quickly get the point. And a lot of times we think that races are always like the race that we know most and just stepping back for a moment into that culture. Uh, in that time, at that day, races, runners did not always run around an oval track necessarily. Instead, the race that they would sometimes be engaged in would be like a post that would be placed in the ground and the race would actually be to the post and back. 
And most all of us in this room, we can, we can relate to that because as a kid, you ever remember this? We'd look at a friend or a friend would, would look at us and say, I'll race you. I'll race you to that, you know, I'll race you to that tree and back. And you had to run and touch the tree or you had to run and touch the flagpole or whatever it was. See that point out in the distance? I'll race you. And you had to run and touch it in return. And, and Paul, not all of the races, but a lot of races were run in that fashion. And Paul knew that when he would describe this, that they would understand. If one runner suddenly cut in on another runner, especially in near proximity to the post, there could be a collision. Somebody could wipe out. Somebody could fall. At a minimum, they would slow down. The runner would just to avoid collision. In other words, it did not take much to cause a colossal problem. And so, and so, let me simply ask you, is there anything, I want you to hear me clearly, is there anything, and I'm talking to you, and you may be thinking, uh, he's talking to everyone, no, I'm talking to you, is there anything that is cutting in on your race? Is there anything that is being prohibitive of your active pursuit of Jesus and his plan for your life? And if so, what is it? I want you to think about that. What is it? Maybe it's slothfulness. Maybe, maybe you've just, pardon the expression, you've gotten spiritually lazy. Can I ask you a question? I'm not trying to start anything here, but can I ask you a question? Do you have the passion that you once had for reading your Bible? See, some of you have been serving Jesus a long, long, long time, and about the only time you're seeing verses these days is when they go on the screen on Sunday mornings. That ought not be. Do you still have the passion to talk to God? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Jeff, I'm just not good at the whole prayer thing, and I don't know all the these and thous. That's good because Jesus doesn't either. But do you have that same passion to talk to Jesus, to read his word, to be open? And so maybe, maybe what was a huge part of your life when you started out in the race, now maybe some spiritual laziness or slothfulness have seeped in. Who cut in on you? What's the problem, Paul would say? You started out well. You were running a good race. Maybe, maybe it's lawfulness. Maybe it's indifference. Like, you know, just over time, maybe you've just become a little bit hardened. Maybe you've just become a little, um, you know, uh, desensitized to the reality of spiritual life. And it's like, well, you know, I'm a Christian, that's about all, and I'm going to get into heaven, and that's good enough for me, and I, I don't really want, I don't want anything to get in the way of, of my life that I want to live. Maybe you've just become indifferent, but I want to just challenge your thinking in that regard, and, and I'll do so quickly, but I'll do so by saying it this way. Jesus deserves total devotion and commitment. I mean, how can you look in the face of a man who hung on the cross for you and me and to give him anything less than our best, to give him anything less but full surrender, complete devotion and commitment to him? And so maybe what cut in on your race was slothfulness. Maybe it's indifference. Maybe it's spiritual drift. And some of you, because this is so common, I know that some of you, this is going to be right where you're at at this season in your life. Is it possible that where you're at, you feel yourself drifting back towards some things that God already set you free from at some point in the past? 
And you're like, I know. You know, Pastor Jeff, what you were describing earlier was me. I came to Jesus. I was so thankful for his mercy. I was so thankful for his grace. I was so thankful for his, for his forgiveness of my sins. And I knew that I was in right standing with God. I knew that God had given me a do-over. I knew that I got a clean slate. And I was talking to God. And I was reading the Bible. I didn't understand everything that I was reading. I didn't feel I was very good at prayer. I was doing those things. Man, I broke uh, the tethers that had held to my life in the past sin that had clung to my life and and God set me free and you were so grateful but is it possible that you're at a season in your life where some of the things that Jesus already set you free from is getting your attention again are you drifting back Paul would say it this way who cut in on you what happened He said to these Galatians, again, these are Christ followers. These are not pagans. Who cut in on you? You were running a good race. You're moving in the right direction. What happened between here and the post? What is obstructing you? What is hindering your progress in in the race? Could it be anger? And you're like, I need God's help. I'm, I'm way too angry. I get way too upset. Is it bitterness? Is it something that, that's hanging on to your life that you should have moved past? And you're like, God, please, I need your help. Deliver me from this unforgiveness and bitterness. Is it lust that has you captivated? Are you just always filled with lust and driven and enticed by that? Is it unforgiveness? Is it pride? What is it? Check out this, uh, this next verse, still in Paul's same letter. This is chapter four. He said, but now you know God, and it's like he corrects himself. I love the way the Bible does this. But now you know God, and he's like, oh, or rather God knows you. But now you know God, or rather God knows you. So how? And this is a great question for all of us, not just for those Paul was originally writing to, but for every one of us here this morning. So how can you turn back? How can you do that? How can you turn back again to the powerless and bankrupt principles of this world? Why do you want to become their slaves all over again? How many of you know that's a great question? That's a great question. That's a pointed question for your life. It's a pointed question for my life. Is there anything that is slowing us down? I love the verse. It's not on the screen. It just comes to me now. It's not a part of the nose. When Paul uh, says, hey, um, not just staying in step with the Holy Spirit, but, but let us run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who with a joy set before him endured the cross. Let's run the race. Let us lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside every weight. How many of you know it's, it's hard to run when you're weighted down? They have these things, and a lot of you who work out, they're, they're called a farmer's walk. I, I don't know, but you hold these heavy dumbbells, and it doesn't seem like much, but you hold these heavy dumbbells, and you just walk, a, you know, like to one end, and then, you know, sort of a point, and then you walk back, and you think, well, that can't be a big deal, but you do that enough times, it's a big deal. It's hard to walk, and it's especially hard to run if you're weighted down. Let us, let us lay aside, he said, every way, the sin that so easily besets us. Let us set it aside. Let us put it behind us. Don't become a slave. That's good for you. That's good for me. So Paul, in closing, he said, you're running a great race. Who cut in on you? What kind of hurt? What kind of hang up? What kind of habit is holding you back? Look at Galatians 5.8 here on the screen. He says this, that kind of persuasion does not come. It does not come from the one who calls you. In other words, you can't blame God for that. 
Can't say, oh, God, you know, why are you? No, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. So are you keeping the pace? Are you? Am I? Are we staying in step? Are we staying in the course with the Holy Spirit and his activity for our life? Uh, A.W. Tozer was a, a great writer, a great Christian writer. And uh, in writing along this same kind of line, you know, running the race in step with the Spirit, you know, pursuing God passionately in our life, he made a great statement. And this is A.W. Tozer. He, he said this. He said, they are facing, and describing people like that, he said, they are facing only one direction. That's good for us, isn't it? We're not looking back. They're facing only one direction. They also have this formidable spirit. They can never turn back. They're, they have their, their direction, their gaze, their vision set ahead. They can never turn back, and they no longer have plans of their own. Full surrender, full devotion to Jesus. So does that describe you? Does it describe me? Are we living in a way that is keeping pace, that is staying in step with the Holy Spirit? Are we living our lives God's way and not planning or following our own race? Back in the 1500s, and this will close, but in the 1500s, in fact, 1519 actually, Hernando Cortez landed at Veracruz, Mexico, April the 21st, 1519. And when they landed, he ordered, think about this, this is unbelievable. He ordered the ships in his fleet to be burned to the ground as soon as they landed. When asked why? His goal, his conviction was to con conquer Mexico for Spain. And this is what he said. He knew that he, he and his men would face many obstacles. They would be forced to confront Aztec and Cuban and Mayan warriors. And this is what his thinking was. As long as there were ships to retreat to, retreat would remain an option. But retreat was not an option for Cortez. His conviction and his decision to burn the ships eliminated at least one option. History records that that symbolic gesture rallied his troops to focus all their resources on achieving victory, and in an amazingly short amount of time, Mexico became theirs. So I ask you, why has you distracted? What's holding you back? What's got you turning your head, looking over your shoulder? Paul asked a question to people that were in Jesus. You started a good race. You were running a good, good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on you? Who hindered you? What's holding you back? And I would encourage you to settle that today. In just a moment, we're going to end with a great song. Um, I sang it earlier, but we'll go back to it for just a moment. But right now, I want everybody to bow your head, and I want you to close your eyes. Would you do that? Now I want to bring you back to something that I said earlier. Landry said to her mom, just name by name, Mom, are they going to be in heaven? And, and then her words were verbatim. Her mom would say, yes, Landry, they're going to be in heaven. She said, for real, Mama, for real, are you sure they're going to be in heaven? And Nicole would have to reassure her. Maybe their son or a daughter or a grandchild or a parent or grandparent, a spouse that's wondering that about you. And maybe you need to go ahead and nail down today that you know, that you know, that you know that you're in right standing with Jesus, that if you were to die today, you are 100% absolutely certain 
that you're ready to meet Jesus in heaven. If you said, Jeff, I don't know for certain or I know that I'm not, but I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand straight up in the air? Put it right up in that air. And let me see it for just a moment. Then you can put it right back down. Thank you so very much. Thank you. You can put it right back down. How many of you would just say, you know what? This message, this talk, what Paul was saying to those believers in Galatia, it is applicable for me. It's where I'm at. I'm at a season in my life where I feel that I've just gotten off track a little bit spiritually. And I want to get back in the race. I want to get back in the game. I want to return to my passion that I had when I first became a Christian. I want to return to my first love. I've gotten a little slothful. I've gotten a little indifferent. I've been weighted down by some junk in my life. But I just want to put that aside. And I just want to run the race that Jesus has for me. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand as well? While nobody's looking, keep your head bowed. Raise it real high. And I'm going to pray for you right where you're at today. So, Father, you see all these hands today. If you're here today and you want to receive Christ, you just say right now, Jesus, come into my life. I am so sorry. You can pray that in your heart, your mind. Jesus, come into my life. I am so sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry that I've lived independent of you. And, God, I just come to you right now, and I just pray that you would come into my life. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, give me a brand-new start, Give me a do-over. I want to leave this place today 100% confident that I'm right with you. That if Jesus came today or I were to die today, that I know that I know that I know that I'd go to heaven. For those of you that you're just saying, man, this was for me today. I just need to throw off some stuff. I've just, I've gotten distracted. I've been held back. I've just gotten too casual. I've become too indifferent. And I just need to get fired up about my relationship with God again. I just need to get back in the race and run it the way I once did. God, I pray for every person that raised their hand that you would enable us to do that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet? Right now, everybody, we're going to do one more quick song. It won't take us but a moment. And um, I'm going to come back and close this out. But maybe you need God to do something powerful and supernatural in your life. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's what we've been talking about. Maybe it's in your body. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's in your mind or your emotions. But I'm telling you, Jesus is here. And he wants to touch your life right now. So as we sing together, I want you to claim what Jesus has for you. And allow Jesus to do in you what he wants to do. I'll come back and close this.
declare it this morning. Waymaker. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Just one more time, lift it this morning. He's a waymaker. Aren't you glad that in moments when you could have even given up on yourself, that God has refused to give up on you? And God loves you, and God's got a plan for your life, and he's going to help you. So those of you that received Jesus today into your life, we want to celebrate that. In fact, can we just applaud Jesus? And for those of you that are saying, man, I've got to get back in the race. I've got to run the race well, I'm just like those believers. You can do it. And God will enable you and God will empower you to do it. I love you. Have an awesome week. I'll see you right back here next Sunday.